The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are going to do expectation meters for Jackson Trio, for the Packer defense, for Graham Mertz, for the Brewers for the next th- two weeks. We're going to talk about all of that um, to open up the show. Then we're going to do some little fun stuff. We're going to talk about why I'm not a huge fan of the Bucks purple jerseys. Yes, I said it. And then a great idea of a unique baseball game for the Milwaukee Brewers. So we'll talk about that at the tail end. And that'll be today's show. That'll be Friday's pod. Always good vibes on Friday. Always feeling good. Sorry, I got this up late. Uh, you know, I'm working, working on trying to get these up early, man. But sometimes it's very tough. All right. Before we get going, uh, you know where to find us. Uh, tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the keg sports on TikTok as well as Instagram. Uh, TikTok has been doing very well. Uh, the rowdy stuff was awesome to see. Um, as I mentioned earlier this week, it's been a monster for us. Haven't really hit one this week yet, but you know the the time's still young. I hit the rowdy one on Saturday morning, so hopefully we get a big one um, coming up. Uh, I always like to see that. Then uh, make sure that you are subscribed on Apple on Spotify. If you're not for some reason. Uh, make sure that you're going along and rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, telling them what we're all about. We appreciate all the love and support. Also, it's my birthday on on Monday, so you kind of have to uh, do that. That's a birthday gift to me, is giving me a rating or a review. Like That would be the birthday gift that I would appreciate the most. So if you're thinking about getting me a gift, just get me a rating and review um, on Apple, on Spotify, or telling your friends about what we have going on here. All right. No, no more procrastinating. Let's talk expectations. So I wanted to set this up that basically I thought of a thing about how how we regulate expectations, right? Expectations are a funny thing. We get too excited about things or maybe we don't have expectations and we should. And it's, it's usually though the former, right? We usually are all fired up. We're all like, oh my God, this is this guy's the goat. This guy's gonna be great. This is gonna be this best thing ever. And a lot of, there are other people in the corner like, hey, settle down. I think about this with my good friend Mitch, and this is why we did this almost as a tapping the keg, because Mitch is a guy who's usually on the other side of that coin, who's like, settle down, don't get too excited. So how can we temper expectations? What can we do to talk about that? And when there are low expectations, are there reasons to maybe feel a little bit better about it? And maybe we should have a more optimistic view about a person or a team, if you will. So we're going to set this meter from your expectations should be sky high at 10 to 1. Do not have any expectations. Do not expect anything. And that's kind of how we're going to go today. And we have four things. And I don't know if this is going to be a monthly thing. Um, if it's well received, maybe. Um, if it's not, um, then it'll be just a one-time thing and we'll, we'll move on. But we're starting with Jackson Trio, the Brewers prospect, number two in Baseball America. I haven't talked about him this week. I wanted to. Um, I thought this would be the time to do it. My expectations for Trio are an eight or a nine right now. Uh, I am dead serious. I, I don't think it's wrong to be overly excited about what Jackson Trio is doing. He is doing things that are not normal, right? And I mean that in the best way possible. Like he is tearing the cover off the ball now in high A for the Timber Rattlers, just like he was with the Mudcats. He is playing very good baseball. He's probably gonna go up to double A, not this year, but definitely to start next year. And I think there is a real shot that Trio could be in the pros 
next year. I don't th- I don't think that's out of this world, right? Double A to me is you know sort of the answer to it all, right? We we look at Double A and say, all right, is this guy made for it, or does he need a little more seasoning? I think Jackson Trio is going to excel wherever he's playing baseball. Like I I don't think it's going to be a situation like a Julio Rodriguez, right, where they call him up and he makes the opening day roster. I can't see that. I'd be stunned if Jackson Trio gets to that level where it's like he's back. Like if you're if that's your expectation that Jackson Trio is on the roster next season, um, I would put that expectation at like a one a one or a two. But like he's he's been incredible. His production for just for everybody's understanding, and you're like, okay, this guy is sort of at another level. At his age and his production, that is similar to guys like Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Juan DeFranco, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That That's something, right? Like, that's not just anything. That is definitely something. If you're lining up different superstars, Chirio could be next. And I think the reasonable expectation, if we're talking about expectations would be that trio is up in 2024 and he just rocks shit. I saw someone ask uh, Jim Polzin, if Robin Yout debuted at 18, why can't Jackson Trio? I mean, that's one of those where it's like, sell the fuck down. It's high, right? Like we, we got, we need to at least see it in double A. And if you do put him up in double A recently and say, all right, let's see it. Yeah, maybe. But there are a lot of outfielders in Trio's way. And that's, to me, not a problem. Like To me, that is a good problem to have. And I think that's part of the reason why I think the Brewers are going to package two of these outfielders for a trade next season. I think there is going to be a legitimate big trade this offseason for the Milwaukee Brewers involving two of those guys. And it'll be just up to the Brewers to decide who are those two guys. If they think that Freelich and Mitchell are, are much better than Ruiz and Weimer, then that's the, that's the decision. Right, and they'll trade the other two. But if they think two two guys aren't, then they'll they'll move it the other way around. And maybe they they wait a year. Maybe they do sit on it because Trio is going to be a twenty twenty four guy. But yeah, Trio is is absolutely special. It is not it's not something that you can say. Okay, Jackson Trio is this high level prospect that. Maybe is maybe he's going to be great, which we've heard before with like an Orlando Arcia, for example. No, this is this is something more. This is something more, and I think Brewer fans need to start acting like it. I don't think you need to be a sad sack about this. Like this is something that you it's worth getting excited over. If you have a reason to be in Appleton, you go see Trio play. Like that's it's at that level right now, and I. I feel very confident about this. So yeah, I put that expectation at an eight or nine that this guy is going to be special. It's worth having high expectations for. It's worth potentially looking at baseball cards or opportunities to maybe get an autograph from Trio if you can. Like, Not be a dick about it, but if you have an opportunity to get a Jackson Trio signed ball, like take it. Like I, I really do think he's going to be special. Moving on to the Green Bay Packer defense. I think there's a lot of excitement around the Green Bay Packer defense. I think we've seen what the Packer defense has done you know, in training camp thus far. There are days where everyone talks about how this defense is flying around, how they're sacking the Packers, how 
they, they're making great plays on Aaron Rodgers, and this defense looks ready and raring to go. I'd put the expectations for that Packer defense at a 7. I think it's worth having reasonable expectations about the Packers, but sometimes things take time in the NFL. Now, I've pointed out in the past when we talk about this defense that they have a very favorable schedule to wreck havoc early, right? You have a Minnesota team who, yes, should have a top 10 offense again, but they're a team with a new system, and that system, by the way, is the Rams, who the Packers have succeeded against even before Joe Barry, but now with Joe Barry, who knows the ins and outs of the Rams defense, or Rams offense, excuse me, like he, he can flourish there. So I think the Packers are going to really have a good game against the Vikings. And I think he, they have a really good opportunity against the Bears. And I know there's been some positive stuff about Justin Fields so far, but I, I still think the Packer defense will have its way with Justin Fields. Now you can say, well, Luke Getze's on the other side. Maybe Luke Getze knows that Packer defense a little bit better. Yeah, that's that, that is definitely a possibility. But we have the opportunity for the Packers defense to thrive early on and maybe set those expectations sky high because the meat of their schedule, in my opinion, doesn't really happen until the middle of the season. So we'll see. Um, I, I just know that football is a weird sport, right? Injuries can happen. You have just the adjustment period of going from you're playing in training camp against your guys to you're playing against other competition to the, the speed of the game is it goes to another level. So I'm not ready to just go all in on this defense because I know things can happen. And I, I'm using that as a buffer. And so I, I'm just keeping myself sort of regulated almost, right? Like not, not necessarily getting too deep into it because I don't want to put myself in a situation, honestly, where I'm like, oh my God, this team is great. This defense is going to be unreal. Best defense we've had since the mid-90s. I think those are all fair things to say, but I also think you should wait and you should see what happens. And then even if their defense is awesome through the first six games, um, because I do think it, they have the opportunity there, I still think you should just temper it because of the, the opposition that you're playing. I, I really look at like that Tampa game is a barometer game, but that Tampa game to me, again, there's some weird shit going on with Tampa. Brady just took a leave of absence. Who knows what that's about, right? He's going to be out, out of the team for a week. He needs a week off. And I just wonder, is it Tom Brady finally getting old? Is Tom Brady regretting, you know, playing? It's it's feeling a little bit, you know, farvish, right? And I already thought Brady was kind of getting to that farv level. But yeah, I don't I don't look at this and be like, okay, yeah, the Packer, we're going to know everything we need to know about the Packer defense early on because they have one game against the Buccaneers. Because that's really their hardest opponent in the first, really, seven games of the schedule, right? You look at that first seven and you're like, okay, you play one playoff, you play one, two playoff teams, but New England, you have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling plays. Like, are, really, are you going to feel confident that those guys are going to figure out this Packer defense? I'm not. I don't think so. And then you have Buffalo, and then you kind of see it. Like, to me, the meat of that schedule is October 30th through November 27th, where you have the Buffalo Bills, you have the Dallas Cowboys, you have Tennessee Titans, you have the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, that's – so that stretch there, that stretch of four out of the next five games, and Detroit, who a lot of people are high on, like I'll, I'll mention that, that four of five is, is tough. 
That 4-5 is definitely the toughest part of the schedule. And then you come back after a bye and you have the Rams at home headed to Miami and then Minnesota. And Minnesota, I think, at Lambeau January 1st will look a lot different than the Minnesota you see at the start of the season. I, I think it'll just be a different team, a different vibe, a more comfortable team. Again, I still think Packers have an advantage there, but I, I do imagine that Minnesota team will look different. But yeah, to close the season too, just as an aside, on three of your last four games in late December to early January at home is exactly what you want if you're the Green Bay Packer. Moving on to Graham Mertz and the Wisconsin Badgers. So I haven't talked a lot about the Badgers this week. They're in training camp. I don't think there's been any real headlines that I've seen come from Badger camp. But I do think with Graham Mertz, a lot of people are ex- expecting him to be bad again, right? It's Graham Mertz has had a rough couple couple years. Um, he had that breakout game in his first game in the pandemic against Illinois. And everyone's like, oh, Graham Mertz, he's next. He's this guy. He's finally, the, the Badgers finally have a fucking quarterback. And then it was, oh, wait. It's exactly it's exactly what we've had for so long. <laughs> it's nothing's changing. Nothing's changing. It's it's still that guy. Well, I I, I just wonder. I'm I'm curious. So like the expectation should be low for for Grammar. So don't get me wrong, right? Like the expectation should be low. But is there a chance that Grammar has an awesome year? Like there, I know I realize there's some guys to work. I realize that. The Badgers don't necessarily have a, a offensive juggernaut besides Braylon Allen, who should be good, right? There's no reason to doubt Braylon Allen. But at the same point, is this maybe is this maybe the time where Graham Mertz shines? Because he has a ton of he has had a ton of experience. He's had a ton of reps where you could actually see a potential where Graham Mertz lives up to it. Skylar Bell has had a really good training camp, the redshirt freshman receiver. And there's been a lot of hype around what Skylar Bell has been doing in training camp. Could Skylar Bell be the thing that unlocks Graham Mertz? And maybe Graham Mertz has finally hits that potential and finally lives up to what I think everybody expected. Your expectation should be low. We'll put him at a three. But I'm not... I'm not going to like be, I don't think it's crazy to think that Graham Mertz can't have a good year. I think that's kind of a take I'll sit on that I think Graham Mertz has a real opportunity to, that he's had the game experience. And we've seen this in college sports, whether it's basketball or football, where guys played for a, a little bit and maybe hasn't lived up to expectations. And then that last year is just, it's all out. It's this, it's this special season for them, and they end up getting drafted because of it, and they it, it all finally clicks. And I think there is a real a real possibility for Graham Mertz to have everything click and have Skylar Bell sort of be that guy. And if Skylar Bell becomes that dude, like look out, right? And maybe the Badgers have a legitimate shot against Ohio State, but I'd keep your expectations low for that game. That's. That's a hard one out the gates. We talked about it uh, last week when we did that Badger pod, but like, that's that's there. It's it's hanging out there in week number four. Um, so Badgers have to do everything they can to be prepared for that that fight 
with the Buckeyes, who figure to be one of the best, if not the best team in college football. All right, last expectation meter is the Brewers next week and a half or so. We talked about it on a Monday's show, if the Brewers could rein in their emotions, as I've pointed out that they're kind of an emotional baseball team, and they've kind of wear their heart on their sleeves. And I think you even saw that on you know yesterday's game or two days ago where they had the walk-off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, that's a team who loves to have fun, but they also, you know, if things aren't going right, they get in their own head a little bit. So how can the Brewers do this in the next couple weeks? And their schedule is daunting. It's the St. Louis Cardinals on the road. You come home to play the Los Angeles Dodgers. You go back out to play the Cubs, who, again, not necessarily a good team, but a team who's been a thorn in your side so far this year. Like, it's definitely been an issue. And on top of that, the Cubs aren't playing bad baseball in the second half. The Cubs right now are 7-6 and six against the Brewers this season, by the way, for those who are curious. Then you go to L.A. for three days. Like, you don't have a West Coast road trip. It's just three straight days in Los Angeles. And, oh, by the way, they don't even give you a day off. They don't even give you a day game on the 28th, 24th. It's an 8 p.m. start. So thank you, Dodgers, for a little bit earlier start. And then it's back home, Chicago, and then the thorny Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates. So that's your August, really. But really where it's all about is those basically 7 to 10 games against Los Angeles and then 3 against St. Louis thrown in. So what can you expect in that stretch? How, how What is real for the Brewers and what is fake? And I think when I go expectations, I'm going to put it out of 5. I don't think you can go say, yeah, the Brewers should... You know, show their dominance and show that they belong in the conversation with World Series contenders. I don't. I don't think we're there yet. Now, if they take down the Dodgers and they win three out of four at home, and then they kind of keep doing it against the Cubs, and then maybe they only take one of two in LA, then yeah, you can. We can have a conversation that the Brewers might deserve to be mentioned as a World Series contender. I think that is more than fair. I really do. But. You have to see it first. And there is a chance that the Brewers could necessarily fall out of the fight. I think in general, you are hoping for a 500 stretch. And I hate, I think that's loser mentality. I get it. But the Dodgers are really fucking good. The Dodgers have lost five games since July 1st. I mentioned that earlier this week, but it bears repeating. You have to do everything in your power to keep your head above water. And that's, to me, what the Brewers can do. If the Brewers can somehow get 2-3 against St. Louis Cardinals over the weekend, that is a huge step forward. So let's say the Brewers win tonight. Then they are one, they're a half game up. Let's say they win on Saturday with Burns. Then they're one and a half up. So let's say Ashby loses the start on Sunday. And so then they're a half game up heading into that Dodgers series. Let's say they can get... If they were to be able to split against the Dodgers, if we go Mike and the Mad Dog here and say, all right, they win Wednesday and Thursday after losing the first two. So after that, they are four four and three. So four and three heading into the Cubs series. They finally figure out the Cubs. They have Peralta and Woodruff pitching in those in that st- those starts. So let's say they, they're able to get you two out of three also against the Cubs. So at that point, they would be six and four. Six and four heading into that Dodger series. Let's say the Dodgers win 
two of those games and the Brewers won one, that's seven and six. If the Brewers could do seven and six, lose one of those series, split the Dodgers series, that would be great. And I said it on Twitter yesterday to having the keg, if, if you don't follow already, that tonight is the most important Brewer game of the season. I mean that in every way possible because this is the start of a very tough stretch. You've won two straight games. I mean, you could add that Tampa was part of this stretch, and if you add that and those wins are already banked, then you're nine and six in this stretch. That's pretty good. The Brewers win tonight, you start getting a little bit of momentum, right? You start looking at it and you're like, all right, we've won three straight games. Feeling good, right? Like that's all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's feeling good. Now you're facing a lefty in Montgomery. They've struggled against lefties. And you have Eric Lauer on the mound and the Cardinals eat lefties for breakfast. Now Lauer pitched pretty well against the Cardinals last time around at Miller Park. Now Lauer has been a different player at American Family Field than he has been on the road. So that is a concern. But yes, this game is so important for the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. I really do think that. And we'll see what happens. But yeah, I would keep your expectations around a five. And that, that's how we go. So we're doing the expectations meter for everything to wrap it up. Trio is our high expectations. We should have high expectations for Trio the next year, year plus. We should pack our defense. We still feel pretty good, but also understand that schedule is easy. So maybe the Packer defense is even going to look better than it actually is in these first seven or eight games, or seven games, excuse me. Graham Mertz, I think it's fair to have low expectations, but it wouldn't surprise me if Graham Mertz you know, comes through and actually outperforms what people expect him to do. And then for the Brewers in these next three, three or four weeks, it's really all about just keeping your head above water and trying to get wins when you can. And so if the Brewers can get out, and let's say they sweep the Cardinals, then all of a sudden the Los Angeles series becomes a little bit easier. But it's hard to expect a sweep on the road against the hated Cardinals. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks and their purple jerseys. So the purple jerseys got released. It's something I knew about for a while. I posted that the leak on TikTok. Gosh, damn the keg sports if you don't follow. Uh, probably back in May. And so I graded it a B. I, did, I do jersey grades uh, for Wisconsin sports and sometimes other teams too when I have the ability and I gave that a B. I was like, all right, that's a B jersey. And a lot of people I think would say, that's an A jersey, right? Everyone would be look at that and be like, oh, that's that's an A, it's awesome. They're bringing back the retro and it's it's so cool. I I don't see it that way. I, I Here's the thing about the purple jerseys. I like the purple jerseys as like a throwback, right? If you're like at a party and you're wearing, like I had a Desmond Mason one that I stole from the Peralski family. I think I gave it back though. I will say I, I do think I gave it back, but I would I wore that to parties when I was younger and it looked great, right? It was like oh fuck purple jerseys, like I think there's that like kind of excitement about it. But if you think about the purple jerseys in general, they have no connotation to the city. They are because the only reason we wore purple is because Mike Dunleavy liked Wimbledon, and Mike Dunleavy is an awful coach. And he set the Bucks back, and it was the 90s Bucks, which were as bad as anything going. Think about how bad a 90s Milwaukee sports fan had it. It was terrible. Like, you had the Packers, and you had Brett Favre, and you had a Super Bowl during that time. But after the Packers season, it was nothing. 
You had a Bucks team that was flailing, that barely did anything. I don't know if they made the playoffs in you know middle mid nineties on. You had the Brewers, who we talked about last week with that ninety two team, where they were great in ninety two, and then the bottom fell out, and then they were they never got it back. Like ninety two was the last good year for the Brewers until. 2007 and then 2007 obviously there was the collapse and then 2020 2008 was then the brewers get you know they they get into the playoffs for the first time since 1982 but yeah the the bottom fell out of that brewer team uh after that so it was rough so bring it back to the purple jerseys it really highlights a rough time in bucks history it's not a time where you look at it and you're like oh yeah I, I yearn for the days of fucking Todd Day and Lee Mayberry and Marty Conlon. Like, those are the days that I remember about being a Bucks fan. You could say, well, what about the 2001 year? Yeah, that was the one good year the Bucks had. And then they failed to sort of build on that, and then they trade away Ray Allen. Like, and then it starts the whole process over again. And then until, you know, the Bucks get new ownership, they get Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it all changed, right? It all sort of you know, melded into something else. But the, the purple jerseys are not necessarily good times for the Milwaukee Bucks. And they have nothing to do with the city. Will they sell a ton of merch? Absolutely. But I'm just not a huge fan of them. I'm not like, I'm not looking at them and I'm saying like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be this awesome thing for the Bucks. The, the NBA and Nike are looking at this and saying, let's bring back everything from the 90s because we know it's going to sell. 90s nostalgia is huge, not only with my generation, which are millennials, but with Gen Z. Gian, the Giannis and Chris purple jerseys are going to sell out the fucking window. The pre-orders are already going. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it's sold out. They'll have 90s shirts, t-shirts, things like that. They will tactfully put these these jerseys out on different you know big games, and I wouldn't be surprised if they use an old court. Now they have the fear to deer court that I think I don't know if they've revealed. It's I think a blue court that they're going to put out this year. The fear to deer court's going to be a little different, but I don't know if they'll do a third court. That's like a '90s court. That'd be kind of cool, but I, I doubt that they actually will have three courts. But yeah, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be a hater. Like if you like the purple jerseys, like go for it. I just. I look at the purple and it doesn't bring back good memories. Like it brings back the time that I didn't really care about the Milwaukee Bucks. Like as a kid, like I don't think we were all running to our tables to watch the Bucks. Like when we were watching the NBA, we were watching Jordan or Reggie Miller or you know guys like that. We weren't watching the Bucks. We didn't care about what the Bucks did night in night out. And then once the Bucks got good with Ray Allen and Big Dog and things like that. Then there was a passion for that Bucks team. Like I, I would argue that that Bucks t- 2001 team I probably cared about a little bit more than the 97 Packer or the 96 Packers and 97 Packers because I was starting to understand sports. I was starting to get it. Like I, I remember those 96 games. Like I, I can't forget Desmond Howard taking back the kick in the rain or the cold weather game against the Carolina Panthers and not getting the Cowboys because the Panthers were to beat the Cowboys. And, and then in 97, losing to John Elway and crying after that Super Bowl. One of the few times I'd cried after a loss. Um, definitely also to the, the Eagles 2003, uh, the Freddie Mitchell play. That's another one that's up there in terms of crying. Um, but yeah, like I have Packer memories, but the Bucks memories are really strong. 
and I started really getting into NBA and I liked the, I liked Kobe for a little bit and then Kobe got too popular so then I was like a Kings fan like you bounce all over as a kid like I could I could do nostalgia hour all day with this type of stuff but to bring it back to the purple jerseys like it wasn't a time where I was really a Bucks fan besides 2001 so I don't look at them and say all right yeah the Bucks definitely needed to bring this back they brought it back because the fans wanted it and they've had a lot of internet chatter and they know they can sell. And they're going to sell a ton of these and God bless them for it. Anything to line their pockets to make sure that free agents and guys are still staying with the Bucks. I'm all for it. Whatever can sell tickets, man. Or not sell tickets, but whatever can sell, sell merchandise, I am always going to be for. Wrapping up today's show with maybe one of the better ideas I've seen about potential let's call them unique baseball games. Uh, Danny Parkus of 670 The Score had an idea yesterday based off of the Field of Dreams game, right? The Field of Dreams game, very popular. Something MLB has done now for two years. I think the hype around it this year might not have been as strong because you had the Cubs and the Reds. I understand why you would do the Cubs and the Reds. I personally would have done the Cubs and the Cardinals. But the reason why was basically the Iowa relationship that the Cubs have. Uh, The Iowa Cubs are very popular as a AAA team. So to have the Cubs there, and I think they probably wanted to sell to more Cubs fans. I think the worry is if you have Cardinals fans, they would basically infiltrate it because the Cardinals have such a deep-rooted fan base. I do think next year it'll be Cardinals Brewers. I think maybe they go with an AL team since they did NL this year. Maybe they go with an AL team. Maybe it's the Twins. Maybe it's the Twins and the Guardians or something like that. Or the Twins and the Red Sox, right? Get the, you know, potential of having one of the premier baseball teams there. Um, Could you see an interleague opportunity? Maybe it's like Twins Cardinals, potentially, right? I think the cool thing that baseball has that they they don't have this year is competitive schedules. So that's a new thing for baseball next year where you're going to play everybody and that's going to really change a lot of things i think it's it's fascinating it's a it's going to really we'll see what happens but i just i think it's going to change how standings look i think it's going to be it's going to impact a lot of things so i'm, I'm curious on that but the idea that danny parkas had um parkins not parkas parkins had was the major league game Brewers versus the Guardians. Bob Uecker on the call. Do it on Apple TV so Harry Doyle could be uncensored. Bring on guests like Sheen, Snipes, Dennis Haysbert. You're welcome. Unbelievable idea. Top-notch, great idea. Like, I look at that and I'm like, all right, yeah. I'm all in on that. Now, is it partly because Major League is my favorite baseball movie? Yes. It's probably one of my favorite sports movies. I love Major League. I think Major League is top tier when it comes to sports movies. If you've somehow not seen Major League, that is your weekend assignment. Like, you go home and watch Major League. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I can look for you real quick. But Major League is just a fantastic movie. It is a top-notch, top-notch film. You can watch it for free on Pluto. Uh, So it's on Pluto. You can also get it on Paramount+. Plus. So if you have Paramount+, Plus, you can also watch Major League there. It's a great movie. It's an R-rated movie, so don't watch it with the kids. But it's fantastic. I actually watched it, I think, as a kid. But I love Major League, man. It's it's a great, great movie. So I am all for the idea 
of a major league game. I think that would be so good. So with Bob Uecker in terms of the uncensoredness and bringing that, I don't know if Bob Uecker would actually go no filter and play the role of Harry Doyle. I think Bob Uecker is a professional. I think doing it on Apple TV isn't a bad idea just because then you can have Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, like these guys that haven't necessarily um, had maybe the best after major league careers and maybe Charlie Sheen's a little slip of the tongue. So you kind of have a protection there with Apple TV. I don't really think this is something where you're trying to necessarily grow the game with the young kids because young kids aren't watching major league. It's an R-rated movie, right? Like the idea, the idea of it being something for the kids is not necessarily, it's not necessarily needed. Um, having Monty there would also be great. Um, you know, not the best color man. Now, granted, that was a Major League Two, which not a lot of people, not a lot of people like Major League Two. But Major League Two, to me, is as good, even though it's a PG movie. Like it's, it's still good, and it's not. I wouldn't say it's PG. For this generation, it's more PG thirteen, but yeah, I I love I love the idea of it. Like I, I'm all in on the idea of Major League being a part of baseball. Like why not, right? Why not add to it? Why not do a, a natural game with the Tigers and somebody and and Roy Hobbs? Like use have Redford on. Like do a natural game. Now, granted, you don't have Tiger Stadium anymore; it's no longer existent, and that's some some of the problem here, right? You don't necessarily have all the old stadiums to work with. You're going to have to get creative. Like if the Brewers were to do a major league, maybe the major league series, right? They have one game where it's like you have Sheen, you have Haysbert, you have the whole thing. And it's the Guardians and the Brewers. It's at Miller. It's at American Family. Even though I have no problem calling American Family, I always call them. It's so easy to say Miller Park off the tongue. It's something I got to work on. But anyways, American Family Field and you basically paint the outfield like it's like it's county stadium you basically make it county stadium you turn it into county stadium the graphics are older you probably can't have the beer slide the beer chalet just because it's how it goes but maybe you could maybe you could build one and it's basically like a shell and it becomes a beer like do it like that where you make it like a major league weekend and then the game on friday is on apple tv and it's euchre talking to all these guys and so it's not necessarily Harry Doyle uncensored, but you give that opportunity for if Charlie Sheen's talking about something fucking crazy, it's not going on the national airwaves. They're not like Pete Rose over last weekend where he's talking about hitting a pitch or hitting a home run cock high and then saying no shit about something. Like the, you, you don't, you mitigate that risk um, knowing that you do have some crazy guys there. But yeah, I think I'm all in on the idea of a major league game. I think that would be fantastic i think the fans would love it i don't think it's something you have to worry about the kids unfortunately i think it's yeah younger generation you yeah maybe that thursday you play major league but yeah it's an r-rated movie so it's not necessarily about getting more kids in i love the idea that dan patrick had when you talk about kids about having a nickelodeon game of the week that like every wednesday at four o'clock you're playing a a game on Nickelodeon, I think that's tremendous. Like, I think that's really good, right? Like, do it, you know, kids are done with, you know, day camp and everything like that. You have baseball on, or you have it on at five, right? So 
kids can watch watch the you know Brewers and Reds or something like that, and then it's just it's simulcast there. I'm I'm all in on that. I think that's a good idea in terms of getting more kids into baseball. You gotta try new things. You gotta do different things, and so we'll see see what happens. I would imagine that at some point baseball is going to capitalize on not just feel the dreams but have different games, and I, I hope Major League is one of them. All right, that does it for today's show. We'll be back on Monday. It'll be a birthday pod. I don't know what we'll talk about. Um, birthday pods in the past, we've talked about retiring from Joe Cats. Um, so we'll see if maybe we have a topic similar. I do do a feeling the old age, if you will. Um, so maybe we'll talk about that. I know people hate that. But we'll, we'll definitely recap Brewers Cardinals. Uh, we'll talk back a preseason game. Um, and yeah, those will be two definites and then yeah, birthday stuff as well. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. Um, if I'm out, I'll be out on no Brady street Saturday. Uh, so open invite. If you guys want to hang out, watch the Brewers Cardinals, um, you're welcome to join me. Um, and if you need an actual specific location, just hit me up in the DMS, whether it be Twitter or Instagram. All right, take care. Have a good weekend. Well, we'll see you Monday. Peace.